Y'all listening to that 20 by 20 podcast, the best of wrestling, the best of hip-hop. Check it out. Boom. This is the 20 by 20 podcast. Shout out to the nation of domination. Yeah. In these potty streets, but we doing our thing. Tell Coco beware, bringing them birds to the ring. Attitude error, WWF on the leather. It's that 2020 podcast. I go wherever your shorty with a frog splash. She look like Sunny, but she Puerto Rican. I came through like the repo man creeping. Welcome, welcome everybody once again. This is the 20 by 20 podcast and I'm your host, Nathan McFly here. Dolo man in the ship is all good. Everything is well. Shout out to the boys. Shout out to Woodrow. Shout out to Bing. Don't worry. I'm here to hold it down. How's everybody doing out there? I hope everybody's good. You know, it's uh, it's been a crazy week within pro wrestling and a crazy week in general in life, you know, uh, COVID is striking back up, the infection rate is high, you know, schools are being closed in New York City, South Dakota's at 56%, Pennsylvania's at 16%, it's wild out here, people outside with no masks, no worry, and then getting sick, shit is fucking nasty, man, but it's all good. Pro wrestling still on TV because for some reason they seem to be essential. But hey, cheers to that, right? Ah, all right, all right. So a lot's been going on. Uh, it's like, you know, we record Thursday and it's like Friday morning something happens. Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And it's just it's just a snowball of effect when um, things happen. So first thing I really want to get into is uh the release of Zelina Vega. So Zelina Vega was fired by WWE and this all came about because she did not want to give up her third party sites. So her third party sites involved uh Twitch, Cameo and after reports of, you know, WWE telling all all talent to get rid of their third-party site. She opened up an OnlyFans page, and now WWE basically made a example of her, fired her. She is beyond talented in the ring, out the ring. The fans are connecting with her. When wrestling in general was going first going through this pandemic era, she, her, and her stable with Andrade. Garza and Austin Theory at the moment for a little bit when he was there with them seemed to be the focal point of Monday Night Raw at one point before um, the Hurt Business came came to play. But they seemed to be a focal point of the show. I mean, we saw Andrade versus Drew once again, and it was a fantastic match, you know. Um, but yeah, she's definitely going to be missed. And this is another thing. Uh... I was thinking about I me mean, like if she was making really that much off of her third party sites then more props to her she's definitely going to get a contract somebody else somewhere else I mean there is no possible way that a talent like this goes unseen a talent like this goes unsigned uh she has roots and impact um AEW's women division as we see 
it's it's a four it's a four woman division. It's the champ, Thunder Rosa, Serena Deb, and Big Swole. Who else? I mean, you, you could throw in um, you could throw in Nyla in there, but that, I mean that that's really it. When you're when you're thinking about like not even just prominent talent, but just talent that could actually really go in the ring and make this look good, is there's nothing much there. And Zelina, as you can see, even when she first came onto the scene with Andrade in NXT, the way she was doing Huracaranas on everybody, her her athleticism, the the match that she had with Asuka was amazing i i could have sworn there was going to be more into it i mean they got two matches out of it and she wasn't seen anymore she was supposed to be used but i you know the way that they're writing their shows and the way that they're moving and grooving at the moment i i really don't know you never know what's one thing to the next you never know what's gonna happen but for a lot of these a lot of these uh talents for them not to be doing anything for them not to be getting paid it's it's frustrating it could be frustrating for anybody i mean that's why they have their downside guarantees which is uh an amount of money that they would make guaranteed for the year and i did my little research here and there and there's a couple of sites that said you know wrestlers estimated downside guarantee could range anywhere from seventy thousand to one hundred fifty thousand a year um i'm pretty sure Big talent like Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, uh, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, maybe even Kevin Owens, I would say. I- I'm just talking about the top talent, the top tier of the talents that that WWE has on their main roster. They're probably making over that 150. But for the other talents who aren't doing anything and still have a downside guarantee, if the minimum... If this is true that the minimum downside guarantee is $70,000, I think they have to weigh their options. I think what they need to do is see what they're making monthly on an estimate, not what they made monthly last month, what they can make monthly on an estimate on these third-party sites. Let's not forget they're using their likeness. Of course, it was their likeness was generated by being in wwe a lot of these towns we wouldn't have not known who they were or even cared what they were doing on these third-party sites if they weren't in wwe and that's just fact right there and i'm not saying that it's right for wwe just to take that that income away from them it's not right it's definitely not right but at the same time you're using company uh you know you're using something that the company owns in order to make money just for yourself you're not cutting anybody in yes it's you yes it's you that's that's generating this whole this whole following yes it's you putting all the time effort and all all the work in to making this something yes it's you the talent but at the end of the day that talent name that name that people are going to see on the headlines of what of whatever video you put out on whatever platform the fans that are going to go see that is because those are the fans that you generated on a show on a show on a brand on a business owned by a by another person 
And that and then this is the thing too. I think a lot of people tend to forget that WWE is a publicly traded company. I must have said this thousands of times already within the last couple of episodes, but that goes unseen sometimes. And with a publicly traded company, you have to make sure investors are still making money. They seen that there was another another avenue to get paid. So why not take all your peoples off of it? There's, there's making this avenue grand. Take them all off of it and make your own. This is what has been going around as well. That Vince is partnering up with all these tech companies and to make their own Twitch, to make their own third-party site. Now, when the talent gets there, um, I mean, Bully Ray from Busted Open Radio really made this clear. Like, all right, so that's going to go onto your downside. Whatever you do on that platform, whatever they make and whatever you're making, they'll just put it towards your downside. So if you make over that, I guess that's a, that's another conversation for another day. But at the same time, it's just it's very technical when it comes to a company that big. If you're in AEW, if you're in Impact, if you're in ROH, if you're in MLW and you have all these third party sites, there's nothing that they can do. They're not going to they're not going to deprive you of that because at the end of the day, just like in WWE, they tell you to go pay for your travels and all that shit. These other fucking companies, I'm pretty sure they're not paying for your travels. You got to think about it. Imagine if these other companies were running shows, running two, three shows a week, having to pay two, maybe even four, having to pay for your travel to go everywhere. It's not going to happen. They're too small of a company to, to keep funneling that type of money. A big company like WWE, could they do it? Yeah, they probably can. Is it going to go against their, their bottom dollar? Yes, it will. But... It's up to them. That's how they make money. And a lot a lot of new talent that's out right now, like Thunder Rosa said, she's she doesn't have WWE in her in her eyesight when her contract is coming up. Because she does so much outside of wrestling that she needs to go to a company that is gonna understand that and let her do what she does. That's why she's in AEW. And that's why AEW is such a fucking beautiful thing. It's an option. Not only for us as fans, but it's an option for the talent as well. And I, yo, listen, there's a lot of stuff in AEW that I don't like. But then there's a lot of stuff in AEW that I do like. And I just like the fact that it's just an option. It's something else to watch. I don't only watch Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and then nothing else. There's so much other stuff to watch. You got Impact blowing up. You got AEW looking great. You know, uh, MLW, if you can, you can watch that too. ROH, you know, I mean, ROH is not, not, not really for me. I like a couple of the talent there, you know, uh, Gresham, Gresham is awesome. Briscoe brothers, always been a fan of them. Uh, Dalton Castle, shout out to LP for putting me onto Dalton Castle, you know, and then, uh, ROH, ROH was where I first seen the Bucks, you know what I'm saying? First seen Kevin Owens, first seen a lot of people, you know, so that's that, but uh, at the end of the day, yo, listen, whatever she's doing, she's doing it big, and more props to her, man, she she deserves everything coming to her, because she's going to have a lot, a lot of good, positive things coming her way, I mean, she has, she has a lot of people rooting for her, you know, you still got Andrew Yang in the back pocket looking, at, saying that he hasn't forgotten about Vince. Joe Biden is president now. He said if the Democratic Party wins, first thing he's going to do is go after Vince and try to get these guys, you know, unionized. 
health care, all that. I mean, if they could get health care and, um, you know, sick days, as I guess you could say, without being in a union, I think that's a plus. I think that's a plus because a lot, a lot of the healthcare situation in wrestling, it, it really, really is needed, especially for the talent that doesn't make that much and can't really afford it. Understandable, but we can't also turn a blind eye when WWE is paying for rehabs, whether it be a drug problem or just rehab. You know, if it's a bad shoulder, something broke, whatever it be. They, they take care of their talent when it comes to that because they know once that talent is right and ready to go, they're gonna get they're gonna make a money. So to them, they're looking at it as like an investment. That's all you gotta. That's that's business. It's business, man. It's business. Uh, well, on Monday Night Raw, we seen Drew McIntyre get the WWE Championship back from Randy Orton. I'm not gonna lie. I really thought the Miz was gonna play a part in this in somehow some way. I mean, the, the, the match was hard-hitting, hard-nosed. You can see it in Drew McIntyre. He left everything in the ring. It's just the Miz has been basically thrown around like a ball. Like, everybody's getting the best of Miz right now. Everybody's getting the best of Morrison right now. But when is that all going to stop? When is he going to cash it in? And this is great because the more they do this, the, the less people are going to think the Miz is going to do anything with that briefcase. But it just seems right to have Miz just like do somebody dirty right and i feel that this is gonna come into play with everything going on with sheamus and and drew at the moment i love what they're doing because they're they're picking from their backstory of them coming in together coming into fcw together being a tag team together knowing each other for so long and sheamus even though he's a heel he's rooting for mcintyre that could turn easily and that could be probably one of the best stories going into the new year for Raw. Raw hasn't had much. Raw has the Hurt Business. They're trying to revive um, Retribution right now with that big win they had against um, the Raw Survivor Series team. I had a feeling it was coming. You know, they, they're they're playing it out as the Raw Survivor Series team cannot co- coexist together, which is great. It, it, it just, it birthed a great, scenario for retribution because retribution really needed a big win and they got it but back to Sheamus and McIntyre um it's interesting because once a story becomes that personal and that deep as we've seen with Roman and Jay but that was on a different story because they're 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 blood family but this can be somewhat like that and I feel that even you know Drew got some haters out there you know, shout out to Sir Wilkins. He was talking about that. But Drew's been doing his thing. Ever since the Rumble. I mean, a little before that, you know, he, he started uh, the Claymore kickdown and all this other stuff. He's been doing his thing. And it's been looking great doing it. He's so comfortable on the mic. He says whatever he wants. He has kind of like that, that good guy. Like that good guy cockiness, that swagger. Like he knows he's the shit. Like he's he's hitting on all cylinders at the moment. So shout out to Drew with that. But what I want to see is little shades of Drew becoming, I guess you know, less with his guards up, and it's because it's Sheamus because he thinks he trusts Sheamus. What if Sheamus is the one that costs him that title? And now we got Miz with it. 
I mean, anything could take place this Sunday at Survivor Series. We just got to remember at the back of our mind that Miz still has that briefcase and it could still play a pivotal role going into Mania for next year. So, shout out to Drew for winning the title again. He's a two-time champion. I bet he never thought that he was going to be a two-time double, two-time WWE champion when he was fucking on one-man band. I know he didn't think that shit was coming. Um, and shout out to Orin for holding it down. Orin is another one. Orin's another MVP along with MVP for this pandemic era of wrestling. They've had so many bright spots that it's hard to count. And I hope that when PWI does their does their uh, top 500, that they're at least within the top 30. They have to at least be within the top 30 because they've meant so much to wrestling as a whole, not just to one company, but to wrestling as a whole. Another highlight from Raw was New Day versus Hurt Business. Wow. I mean, New Day, oh, shout out shout out to Kofi wearing those match, those match trainers. Them, them joints is fire right there. But shout out to New Day. I mean, New Day's always delivering. Cedric Alexander is on an amazing roll right now. I mean, I know he lost the match, but what Cedric is doing right now, especially with the Hurt Business, now he gets to showcase himself the way he did when he was Cruiserweight Champion. But he doesn't have to talk much, and I feel like he's getting more comfortable in talking. And it also could be that he's with a dude like MVP. Somebody, he's with three solid veterans that he could actually learn from he's not out there by himself he's not out there with his boys apollo and ricochet like i don't know what he could learn from them because they all on the same they all on the same level so i don't know what he's learning from them him being with the hurt business that that right there is going to school that's going to school for the boy and i love it i love everything about it and i think this match right here new day versus hurt business yes it would have been really really dope if hurt business would have won but the money matches New Day versus Street Profits. Let's get it correct. Street Profits as well has been on a tear. They're on a better show at the moment, which is great. Uh, there wasn't really much else left for them to do on Raw. Uh, I mean, there is really no tag teams, to be honest. There's, there's nothing out there. So having these two teams together, I, I always say this when I see this. I'm like, this is the perfect Unify match. Unify the belts. Why not? You know, and that could be a a real pivotal stepping stone for the Hurt Business. I mean, not for the Hurt Business, but for the Street Profits to win and unify the straps. Uh, you know, New Day, they could take the loss. New Day could definitely take the loss. They've, they're, what, nine-time tag champs? Nine, ten-time tag champs? They've, uh, they've held singles titles. Shout-out to Kofi. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Big E. You know, Big E's on, on SmackDown, though. It's all good. But they could eat this loss, and I think this is going to be a coming-out show for the Street profit, uh, street Profits. And, um, I mean, hey, Montez Ford. We already know. We already know he's the Shawn Michaels of the bunch. He's going to show out. He needs to come up with something. Hopefully, he got something, something up his sleeve for, for, uh, for Survivor Series. But, um... Back to Cedric Alexander. What I want to see from Cedric Alexander is I would love to see him challenge for the Cruiserweight title. I think a match between him 
and Escobar would be an amazing, amazing match because Escobar, he is, he has that quickness. He has that agility. He does those, you know, those aerial moves, but he's also a technician in that ring. And he displays it every time. He he seems to adapt to whoever he's with in the ring. And that's a very, very good um, competency to have in the ring. Very, very good competency to have in the ring because... If you can adapt to your opponent, that means you can have any type of match you want. Doesn't even matter who you're with in that ring. You're gonna bring out the best in him and the best and the best in yourself. So I would love to see that from Cedric Alexander. And maybe a little more mic time. A little more mic time for Cedric Alexander wouldn't hurt whatsoever. But uh yeah, man. Shout out to them. I, I feel like that we're gonna see New Day in her business at least one or two more times. Maybe at TLC. Maybe we'll get a TLC tag team match from it. Or maybe her business will come out on top at this uh, this year's coming Royal Rumble. Maybe we'll have that. That'll be amazing, amazing to see. So let's go into Wednesday. Wednesday was fire from top to down. I mean, I, it was hard for me to go back and forth with the channels. You know, I, I DVR both, so I, hopefully I don't miss anything. But, um, oh, wow. Just shout out to Io Shirai and Ripley on NXT for delivering a fire, fire women's match. I mean, this was awesome. It wasn't a gimmick match. It was just them going at it. Um, Io, Io's just, I don't even know what to say about her. She's like the perfect NXT women's champion at the moment. I'm glad that they, they didn't. Um, take the belt off for her. We still have a takeover December 6th. So let's see what happens there. See who's going to be her next opponent. But uh, Ripley, man, Ripley's just amazing. Also in the ring. Uh, the way she did that Texas Cloverleaf with one arm and was spinning Eel all over the place. I mean, that that's just a showcase of power right there from her. And I think she's ready for the main roster, but what is the main roster going to really do with her? That's the thing. You don't want to disrupt what she's doing right now. And this this division might be the best in the world. This women's division. You have Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai. Um, oh, wow, wow, wow. Ember Moon. You have the 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 Pixie Vixen and Candice LeRae. Uh Homegirl is always running with her. Oh man. And you got the other the other uh big girl. What's her name? Oh my god, I can't remember her name right now. She's always with Dakota Kai, but you already know who I'm talking about. Just just that. Just that right there what I named. It, it's it's ridiculous. The amount of talent that's Oozing through NXT right now. It's just just primarily in that women's division. And the way they showcase their women's division. With a strong tag team bout in the beginning of the night. And then towards the end of the night. You have this amazing match that could have been on an NXT takeover. Free on TV. They gave them the time. The match wasn't rushed. They got all their movesets off. They made the, they made each other look good and they had an epic ending. 
She needed to do something big in order to defeat a woman that's almost a foot taller than her. Has probably like, I'll say a good 40 pounds on her as well. Big, big power bomb broke the table. Uh, you see Barrett. Barrett sells everything amazingly on that microphone. He's such a great announcer. I, everything he was doing at NWA was great. But the chemistry that you see that he has with the other guy that's there, I can't remember his name. I'm really bad with names, as you can see. But the other NXT announcer, Beth Phoenix and Wade Barrett, everybody was very concerned when Nigel McGuinness left. Everybody was very concerned when Mauro Ronaldo left because those two were like the heart of NXT. They were there for so many different events and so many different moments. But these guys are really holding it down and they sell everything. They make sure I could close my eyes and just listen to them call the match and know exactly what's going on and feel and feel that match. Feel the excitement of that match as if I was watching it live. That's how good I think they are, and just just amazing. Just that 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 power bomb onto the table, bringing her back in the ring, knowing that she's still not at a hundred percent because it took her so long to come in the ring, and she automatically hits the moon salt. You know, one second. <laughs> she automatically hits the moon salt. One, two, three, phenomenal, phenomenal match. Shout out to those two women. Uh, I I would love to see part two. I would love to see part two. But the night wasn't over. The night was definitely not over. The Prince is back. Finn Balor came back. He was going to put over himself as, you know, some bad motherfucker that he is. You know, wrestling with a, a jaw broken in two different places. But, you know, the brand came out. Pat McAfee. Another person is doing phenomenal work in the past, like, what, month, month and a half on NXT? Just on the mic, he's fire. Oni, Oni and Burke don't even got to talk anymore, which is great because they're amazing in the ring. All they got to do is whip ass. Then you got a monster of a man right now and Pete Dunne within that stable. And they were going to come in and wash Finn, but Finn was smart. Finn brought Undisputed with him, which is crazy. Finn brought Undisputed. Undisputed errors back. And now we have, because Regal came out and screamed it, War Games. We have War Games set, baby. We have Undisputed Error versus the brand. And let me tell you this. Undisputed Error, I think, has been in every War Games match. I think they've been in every fucking War Games match for NXT. And you already know some fly shit's going to happen. I mean, when I was when I was watching them just rumble, I just couldn't get my eyes off of one thing. And that was wondering if we will ever see a match with Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne. That match would be amazing. That match would be and it has to be takeover worthy. This is like a match for either takeover when they're when, during Royal Rumble time or takeover during Mania time. I think that match for the North American title would be a phenomenal match and could start the second golden era for the Undisputed Era. I think 
This I think that's what we're gonna see. I I really do. I just seen it the way they locked up, the way they were kicking, punching each other, and everything. It just seemed right. Right. It seemed fit. It seemed fit for it. Um, of course, if you got Danny Burke and uh, Oni Larkin versus Undisputed versus you know Roddy and Bobby Fish, woof, another fire match. We already know that Adam Adam Cole and Pat McAfee could give us a barn burner as well. But we're going to have a War Games match with all of them there. Do we have a turn coming? Does anybody smell a turn? I hope not. I hope not. I just want to see an all-out brawl inside that cage on December 6th, which is going to be dope. Also, hold up. Hold up. Another intriguing matchup that looks like it's going to take place. You have the bearded assassin, Tommaso Ciampa. And Timothy Thatcher with a little stare down. That's another match that's going to be hard hitting because we know Timothy Thatcher. He has the catch wrestling background. He's ready to put you in 19 different holes and stretch you from here to Monday. You feel what I'm saying? He is another phenomenal talent. And a talent I think you could put in the list of talent that do not need a title to be either badass or just a dope motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't need the title. He could just go around beating everybody's ass and maybe get the title later. Maybe. But right now, him versus Ciampa, I think it's a great show. And if we get that as well for War Games, I mean, check what we check what it's looking like right now. And, oh, hold on. Another thing. Shout out to Leon Ruff. Shout out to Leon Ruff. He uh <laughs> he regained his uh I mean he retained his North American title of course with the help of Damian Damian Priest but he also smacked the shit out of Damian Priest so that's gonna lead into something we might have a three I think yeah you know what we are gonna have a three match I'm not sure if it's gonna be for in next week's um NXT but if they save that for War Games as well I mean we're having we're gonna have a females War Games match. As we know, there's a war brewing between... Oh, my God. I can't believe I, I left out Shotzi Blackheart. Another phenomenal talent on the NXT women's roster. But we have a war going on with her and Candice LeRae right now. And if we have those two cage matches, plus uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Thatcher, that right there, you have three amazing matches. We're probably not going to have Finn Balor there yet because uh, when he was talking on the mic, it looked like he, he still hasn't had his his jaw in place yet, you know, he was, he was talking like, you know, it looked like he was talking with his mouth closed and shit, so we have that, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with the NXT women's titles match either, hasn't been anything really set, I, that's why I think this match that we had right now with her and Ripley could have been phenomenal for the event, but so far we have three amazing matches, and I mean, we, we can see where it goes, I, I could see also the the tag oh no the tag team titles can't be up because they're gonna be in the war games match. Wow. So I think they should hold that triple threat match. They should hold that Damian Priest, uh Leon Ruff and Johnny Gargano match for war games. They gotta hold that match down for war games. They definitely, definitely do. Um yo, shout out to Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes, baby, Cameron Grimes. They they took me back to WrestleMania 7 with this blindfold match. 
I felt like I was watching Rick Rick the Model Martell versus Jake Roberts. But the way he sells that he just cannot look at the man. Cannot look at Dexter Loomis in the face because he is just filled with fear. This right here is the carny part of wrestling that I miss. The blindfolds. Um, being just scared, even though he's just a regular dude. But you're just scared. You don't know anything about him because last time you was at this horror match and there was zombies and all this other shit. You're just completely scared of the man. It, he just sold it so well. So well. And he's somebody that I think can make it in the main roster. Because you know what? Just like with Leon Ruff. Leon Ruff is playing his part. He's the little man. He's doing the one, two, three kid right now. Just enjoying his best life as the North American champion. But then you got Cameron Grimes who he's selling all of this fictitious stuff within wrestling. He's not acting like a badass. He's just comedy. He's comedy, but it, fire in the ring. Has great talent within the, within those ropes. But just the facial expressions and wanting wanting to be a part of stuff like that, like the, the haunted house match that he had with Dexter Loomis during um, Halloween Havoc. Him, you know, just just being him, being the country boy that he is, and just expressing that. You know, and another person that, you know, I want to give a shout out to for doing that is Carmella. Carmella is the perfect example of somebody giving something that on paper might not look like it works. On paper might read off as a shit idea, but makes it work. I mean, she was running around with, with R-Truth, hiding the 24-7 title, doing dan dance breaks and all this other stuff. She was, uh, she was dancing for... For Enzo and Cass on on NXT, she came up as like doing doing moonwalks and with, um, what's his name? Ugly motherfucker, man. Um, Jesus Lord, forgot forgot his name. Uh, ugly dude, ugly dude that had the shirt shirt with his face on it. Ah, can't remember his name. All I know, he's not in WWE anymore. He's just some wrinkly dink dude, and went around with him. With the championship and everything, with the money in the bank briefcase, homie helped to get it and all that. And, you know, she just makes it work. She makes it work, man. And it's just some of this talent. And I have to go back to what Bully Ray was saying. What if the talent that's out there now isn't as good as the talent from before? Like, once you go through those curtains, you got to get yourself over. If you go out there with attitude and not try to get over the idea they gave you as good as possible... They're going to see that you're not for the business. And that sucks. I understand that sucks. Not everybody gets a fire, fire gimmick. Not everybody gets an amazing display. But you know what? There's a lot of people who never got an amazing display and became champion and became a problem within the business. For example, R-Truth. I mean... Uh, you know, some shit that he's, that he's done, you know, that everybody says he's jucking and jiving and all this other shit. But then at the end of the day, you know, he's a form of entertainment. He's always out there. He's His his face is being seen. He's holding belts. Even if people want to say that 24-7 championship don't mean shit, it's a part of a show that gets airtime. 
I mean, he was U.S. champion at one moment. At one moment, he was NWA champion when he was in TNA. You know, uh, who else? I, I, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. There's a lot. Look, let's go back to last week when we were talking about Eddie Guerrero and how they gave him the, the paternity angle, him being Dominic's father and all this stuff. Like, he made it work. He made it work. Him having a love interest in China made it work. And guess what? He became WWE champion afterwards. You had Brock the other year. I don't know what he was doing with, with the boombox, with the briefcase boombox, but he I guess he was doing his best B-boy stance, and that shit looked crazy. But he still did it. <laughs> the crowd popped for the shit. He still did it. So it's just, you know, it's the way you, I guess, you embrace what they give you. But uh, let's get into AEW right now. We had a signing for December 2nd, which is uh their winter's coming event, their Dece- December 2nd Dynamite. We're going to have Moxley versus Omega 2. They were going to have to sit down. Omega's waiting on them. They cut to the back. Moxley's on the floor. Moxley's on the floor, bloodied and beat up. And Omega looks like he wasn't having. He's like, yo, first it was your elbow when he had the staph infection and he couldn't fight the first time against with, with them. He said, now all it looks like is a bloody nose. He better be there December 2nd. Called him out. I was like, yo, stop your shit. Stop your shit. I don't give a fuck if you got beat up. You better be there because I want that. I want that belt. And that little cockiness and that little arrogance, the attitude that he was showing is great. This is the Omega everybody wanted to see. The Bucks with the championships. That's who the fans wanted to see. Going into this new year, AEW is building stars and relying on their stars to move forward the company. And that's what they need. It can't just be Cody all the time. It can't just be Cody, the head of, you know, the company. And while they have guys like Moxley, uh, Omega, now you got Pac coming back. You got Pac back. He was he had a he had a match on AEW Dynamite with the with the Blade. But it was a great match as well. You have the um the death the death triangle back together. Pentagon and Phoenix with Pac. Now you have something there with Pac and Eddie Kingston. Rely on the veterans for a little bit. You've been building stars little by little. You've been building them. They actually started to build top flight. Great tag team. You could you could see the the Bucks influence in that tag team. Bucks gave them everything they got within that tag team match to make them look good, and they look good. They looked really really good. You have Jericho making MJF. MJF needed something else. MJF is fire on the mic. We know that he's decent in the ring, but needed something else. He needed another layer to the character, and he's finding it with the inner circle. Built building stars, but relying on the veterans. And like I said, it can't always be Cody. Let Omega get that shine as well. Let the Bucks get the shine as well. Let's see what happens. When the Bucks drop those titles, it got to be to a team on the come up. It has to be to a team on the come up. There's a lot of teams they got there. The first thing I was overly excited for when AEW first opened up for business was their tag team division. And I would love, I would love to see Santana and Ortiz hold those belts. They've been, you know, they've been swimming around in the, you know, the lower, lower tier, mid-card tier of that tag team division for a little while now. You know, they've been eating some L's, especially the ones to uh, best friends. But I think 
we have a resurgence within the inner circle too. I think, you know, we should get MJF up there to challenge for the title again. I feel Santana and Ortiz should challenge for those tag team titles. They've had phenomenal matches with the Bucks, especially at HOG and House of Glory Wrestling. And I already know they could tear their house down with the Bucks. Let's see that. Let's see that again. Uh, Revolution's coming up for them in February. Hopefully, we can have some fans in attendance. And everything will be A-OK and ready to go. I mean, it, it'll be a phenomenal thing to see. You know? It'll be a great, great thing to see. Inner Circle in Vegas, you know... They said they were going to be sports-centric, but we gained some sports entertainment, especially with these uh, multiple-part monologues of them through Vegas. Yes, 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 they did reenact some of the stuff from um, from Hangover. They mixed the movies together, mixed all three parts together and stuff like that. It was funny. Um, but this is good. This is what wrestling needs. Wrestling is not all about what's going on in the ring. When you're making a show, you need segments. Just like any other show, you got to keep people entertained. There has to be parts where, you know, got to give the ring a break. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And this whole thing with them in Vegas, uh, it, was, it was awesome. And then you can still see the, you know, like the little, how, how am I going to say this? <laughs> the little competition between uh mjf and chris jericho they're always trying to one-up each other which is great i love i love seeing that it's great it's great so um i'm very very intrigued to see where this goes with chris and mjf whether it be him kicking chris out of the inner circle and, and chris going on this crazy baby face run or the other way around i don't know i mean it's starting to see that most of the inner circles taking a liking towards mjf you had you had Hager and Wardlow knocking people out all over the place. They're in the bar drunk. Crazy. But let's see, man. Let's see what happens, you know? Yeah, I'm very, very optimistic about AEW. You know, yes, their storytelling at times could be off. You know, how they pick up and leave stories here and there. But sometimes when they pick back up on a story, it's it seems like they never forgot about it because of the way they pick it up. But I just don't know what they're doing with Brandy. You know, Brandy Rhodes, she went from, you know, chief branding officer, all this other stuff, you know, boss bitch type shit, to heading a a stable with, like, some Satanism. I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. Then, you know, Nightmare Sisters, Nightmare Family, and now she got Matt Ratchet the other week, and it's just like, yo, she's all over the place. And I feel like she just needs to focus on either one gimmick or one thing within the company because I feel that she's not that much of an asset on TV. Not not much that she does on TV is actually watch. You know, it's it's watchable. It's worthy to watch. And I, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way, and um, I'm taking that out of context or whatever, but that's how I feel. Like, I feel that she's all over the place, and she's not dedicated to one thing. Like, out of nowhere, the Nightmare Sisters broke up. Out of nowhere, we see the bunny with her man again. It was just it was just very weird, very weird. Well, you know, 
we get into the end of the year, so let's see what happens. Um, yeah, before you know, get into Survivor Series and what I feel might happen within Survivor Series, I wanted to bring back the What If segment. What If is a segment we have here where we just pick up random topics, like just for an example, we've done this already. What if the screw job never happened? And then we'll give you our take on what we think, what could have happened if it never happened, or what, or if it did happen, so on and so on. So for this what if segment, we got actually scenarios from um, a couple of our followers. We got uh, one from Deborah Oxtail. Shout out to Deborah Oxtail. Shout out to my boy Julio. Um. Shout out to Vaughn as well. And I got to see who asked for the, for this other one. But I will. I will definitely shout you out as well. Just give me a second. <laughs> give me one second. I, 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 I'll get you right now. Oh, Talking Suplex Blog. What's going on? Talking Suplex Blog. They asked. We're going to start off with that one. What if Sting was, in fact, the third guy instead of Hogan? Wow. So, if Sting was the third guy instead of Hogan, I don't know if the NWO would be as big as it, as it was because... Regardless of how how big Sting was in WCW, the star power of Hulk Hogan was at that moment and even beforehand was incredible. Hogan needed something at that moment, and if Hogan didn't have that that in that intuition to trust uh, Eric Bischoff in turning heel, I think Hogan Hogan's career wouldn't have lasted past '96 past that year it wouldn't have lasted he would have just went into obscurity because if it was sting with the nwo what are they gonna do they're gonna have hulk hogan overcome it at at uh at starcade starcade is usually in december that that was happening in july so they're gonna let let nwo run roughhouse from july to, to july to december you already know how hogan books he wants to go over if starcade is their wrestlemania he wants to go over and starcade against sting for the championship and then the NWO wouldn't have been as big. That's that's what I think might might have happened. And then we wouldn't have gotten that fantastic match. I know they didn't really do much in the match, but it was just the electricity from the crowd. And when certain moves were hit, the match between Hollywood Hogan and The Rock at WrestleMania 18, to me is to me is one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. We wouldn't have gotten that. The the, the way. Wrestling was going, it wouldn't have worked for WCW. Like I said, if Hogan wasn't going to be anything past 96 or just kill the momentum of the, of NWO, Vince would have not worried about a lot of things. We probably, the screw job probably wouldn't have happened. You know what I'm saying? Like at that moment around 96, I think they were still, you know, they were still like kind of weird about doing stuff. And then they got a little raunchy with it. 
it, it would have had a rip what hogan did with the nwo had a ripple effect on the whole industry sting wouldn't have to me to me this is to me nathan mcfly i don't think sting would have had that same effect so if he was the third member of the nwo it would have been dead by december that's what i think would have been nexus <laughs> all right so uh our next one our next one comes from vaughn what's going on vaughn he's uh he, he's a good dude man you know he he bought he bought our pillman shirt as well shout out to vaughn you know storyline tees go get your fly merch from storyline tees his handle is king vaughn jr and he had a funny one king vaughn jr said what if Hogan wasn't a racist and had more than three moves. Okay, let's focus on the first part of that. What if Hogan wasn't a racist? If Hogan wasn't a racist, we would hear his name and rap songs the way we hear um, Ric Flair nowadays. If he wasn't a racist, a lot, I think, a lot of people, he wouldn't be shunned. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wouldn't have been so regarded as like filth you know like we on this podcast like we give him we give him respect for what he's done in the past because obviously without hulkamania we wouldn't even know what the wrestling world would be like right now and that's the god honest truth what what would wrestlemania be well we still have territories well vince have went bankrupt and then all we have is like rinky dink territories you know we don't have like one big major company you feel what I'm saying? But with the whole racist with the whole racist thing, he would have been seen in a different light. He would have been he would have been more lovable as a character. Uh of course we wouldn't even have all these amazing memes of him getting slapped up by black people. You know, shout out to to Woodrow doing the the Booker T one. Really good. Um not having more than three moves. Well, when he was wrestling in Japan, he was a lot more flexible with his with his uh arsenal. And he didn't even use the leg drop out there. He used a lariat. He used a clothesline as his finisher in New Japan. And or I think either New Japan or All Japan. I'm not sure. But he seemed to be more willing to give his body over to certain to certain um, talents out there. The, the match between him and Great Muda. Like, if you watch that match, he's, he's doing... Moves I've never seen I never seen him do before. You know, like he would, you know, he was doing um, he was jumping over guys, letting guys go under him while he jumped over on the rope. He was doing arm drag takedowns. Like you don't see him doing that in WWE. Like those type of moves, you don't see that in him in WWE. But you saw that when he was wrestling in Japan. So I, I suggest Vaughn, if you whenever you get a chance, if you, if you don't mind him looking at his face for fifteen minutes. Check out one of his matches from Japan, and you'll you'll see a different side of Hogan. Oh, my boy Julio, Julio Gonzalez, what's going on, my brother? Thank you, thank you for all the support and all the listening as well, man. It's my boy, love talking wrestling with him. He said, "What if the Von Erics didn't have a death streak?" Wow. If the Von Erics were still alive, so. Their territory that WCCW was already going under. That's why uh, Kerry Von Erich went to the WWF. 
But when Kerry went, he was he went there with when I what I see now from um Dark Side of the Ring. I mean what I hear now from Dark Side of the Ring, he was there and he only had one leg. He was wrestling with one foot, actually. My bad. One foot, which is a phenomenal feat. And if you see what he was doing with one foot, it was kind of kinda impressive, man. You know what I mean? And I just think that like he was on his last he was like on his last uh lifeline in wrestling because after that we didn't really hear from him too much. Uh the the death streak in the family is just that that's something that I think that that's I don't I'm not gonna say it's inherited, but that is something that has to come within that family. It ha there's something there. You know, there was a dis there was a disconnect from from the sons and the fathers, maybe. Or maybe the father put too much on the sons in order to be great. And, you know, like with the little one, I think his name was Chris. He wanted to be Kerry so bad, but he was he wasn't built like his brothers. He was under six feet. He was like five foot eight, five foot nine, couldn't get as brolic. And, you know, that that played into his psyche. Maybe he didn't get the love that he needed in order to think of himself as as a great person, as a great talent. So I just feel that all that happened with that and, you know, the father at, at one point blaming, you know, one of the sons for this and that. It's just, it's it's really hard. It's really hard. As you can see, there's one left. His sons are in MLW, the Von Eric brothers. Um, Kevin, Kevin Von Eric, he's still alive. And he said he's dealt with it too. It's just, it's, so that's a family thing. Damn, that's a great question, but I don't have an answer for it. I really, really don't. And, and it's sad because if they, I think if they were still alive, um, fuck it, uh, Carrie Von Eric's daughter, who was a part of, if I'm not mistaken, TNA for a little while, I think she would have probably been a better wrestler. Uh, the Von Eric brothers, I mean, them coming together, they're great. If you guys haven't seen the Von Eric brothers, you got to watch MLW. They're a fantastic tag team. But I think they would have learned more by having Kevin and Kerry there. And then they could have learned how they were tag teams and then how they came how they came about. And we would have seen some great stuff in MLW. Imagine Kerry Von Eric. Imagine the Texas Tornado coming out and hitting that hitting that uh that spin punch that he used to knock everybody out with. That would have been dope, dope to see. We probably would have seen that. Um Yeah, you know, I just feel like if the family was alive, the legacy would be stronger. We'll probably have a Von Eric stable with the brothers and um Carrie's daughter because seeing that she could have probably been in there she's probably been their valet. You know, maybe like a Selena, um, like a Zelina Vega type, maybe. So you know, that would have been that would have been really dope to see, and maybe they would they would have been also in WWE. I could see that. You know, Vince loved Kerry Von Erich. You know, Vince was looking for Kerry to be his Hulk Hogan at one point. So that, that's that's something to consider. Our next and last one. There was a couple that we had this week. I I I loved all the love that you guys put on the polls. We were talking wrestling. It was great. I will definitely pick another three next week for next week. 
to have on the show that everybody put down this week. So don't worry about it. I'm going to definitely, definitely get everybody on. Um, next, we got this one from Deb. What's going on, Deb? Uh, what if The Rock was never part of the nation? Now, this right here, I wish my boys were here for this one. I think if The Rock was never part of the nation, I, well, all right, let, let's, let's get this timeline straight. So, Rock comes in, everybody's loving him, right? Per, great athlete, great, you know, great looking, looking dude coming into the ring. And out of nowhere, the fans start turning on him. The fans start hating him. They didn't want the white meat baby face, right? He gets hurt, loses the title, goes off, recuperates, comes back. Now, this is my thing. When he came back, did he already? I he he did not have that rock persona yet. He had the idea of calling himself by you know using his name as third person, the Rock. But I think he needed the time in the nation in order to build his character. Because from what Ron Simmons was saying, he got what Ahmed Johnson was supposed to get. The role Ahmed Johnson was supposed to play in the nation is the role The Rock played. And The Rock needed the nation there because you, you had DX, you know, you had The Undertaker, you had Stone Cold, you had all these people fighting to be in the top spot and yo he said it there were people you know holding him back and one of the people that didn't hold him back was the undertaker and one of the people holding him back was triple h you know triple h was known for that and imagine if the rock ain't have people people with him that that shit would have been that shit would have been uh a hard deal for him i don't know if he would have you know evolved into that Versace, Versace wearing, eyebrow raising, uh, poop tank pie eating <laughs> guy that we know today as Dwayne Johnson. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel that without the nation, the wrestler himself wouldn't have been as big of a deal. That that's that's what I'm thinking because when he was with the nation, he evolved like his character you seen him adding little things of his character there into it and and it's not only him everybody that was involved with the nation needed that moment period in time to move forward their characters as you see with mark henry without the nation will we get such sexual chocolate without the nation will we have the hall of pain like you're t- you can't I don't think one big part of anybody's career could be taken out and they could be as successful without it. And that's what I'm thinking. I don't think that The Rock as a wrestler would have been that successful. It would have been a, a longer a longer ladder to climb for him if he didn't have the nation and have that little bickering back and forth with Ron Simmons kicking him out controlling the nation, becoming Intercontinental Champion once again, having an amazing showing at uh, the Royal Rumble, I think it was in 97 or 98, soaking the seeds with him in Austin. You know what I'm saying? All that all that put into play, like, would it have meant more? It, I, don't, I don't know if it would have meant more. I think if The Rock didn't have the nation, he wouldn't be as big. I really, I really truly believe that. As a wrestler, because who knows? 
I mean, it seems like he, he's a natural-born actor. So I don't know if without the nation, you know, if his wrestling career would have been as great. So that that's that's where I'll go with that. But, um, hey, this Sunday, Survivor Series, everybody, this Sunday is the 2020 version of Survivor Series. And if and you're in the New York City area, I'm not going to say the Tri-State area because, yo, PA, Connecticut, New Jersey, y'all niggas is all fucking up with the coronavirus, bro. I don't know what the fuck y'all niggas be doing there. I know the clubs is open and all that shit, but y'all niggas got to chill, B. Y'all motherfuckers over 10% in each one of them states, bro. What the fuck is going on with y'all niggas? But if you're in the NYC area and you're looking for somewhere to watch the Survivor Series, maybe you're one of the people who don't want to pay for the the network anymore maybe you're sick and tired of this shit go to legend sports bar that's right legend sports bar on 35th street in manhattan the java tears podcast is hosting and as they always do they host the most fire viewing party in all of the tri-state area if you can get there early enough to get a seat because you know we social distancing here they're not gonna let in a lot of people uh capacity is at 25 percent, so try to get there as early as possible to grab a seat if you want to rsvp a seat you can do that as well rsvp a seat go to the java tears po- at java at the java tears podcast on instagram uh you could go through eventbrite as well Search the Jabba Tears podcast and you'll see the flyer for the viewing party. Boom, click. It's free to RSVP. Just go out there, enjoy it, and have fun with people like yourself who love this beautiful thing we call pro wrestling. Yes, let's go. So, for Survivor Series, I see we have one, two, three, four, five, six matches. Six matches. I'm starting to like this um, platform of pay-per-view events where they're not going past 10 o'clock i'm really liking that the whole thing that was going after 11 i sometimes i wasn't even staying up for the shit I, you know motherfucker gotta work and shit motherfucker gotta work but um we have team raw for the men and team smackdown we got aj aj keith lee sheamus braun Strowman, riddle versus owens uso king corbin seth rollins and a person to be determined uh, for the person to be determined, hey, you know what? Kevin Owens is on the other is on the team. Let's make this interesting. Put in Alistair Black. Let's make it interesting. You know, um, I don't know. To be determined, whew, I, that's the only that's the only name that really comes up to be, comes up to to mind to me, or. If you want to get if you want to get spicy with it, put in Dominic. You know what I'm saying? Or or uh, Buddy Murphy you could put in Buddy Murphy, and you can have a little a little friction there with Seth Rollins. That would be fun to watch. But uh, I'm going for Team SmackDown on this one. I think that Kevin Owens is going to have a good showing because I feel that Kevin Owens, along with Daniel Bryan, are going to be the first two to actually have good. Uh, Good matches with Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns needs a uh, a filler match, at least to get get him to Royal Rumble or get him 
to WrestleMania, and I feel Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens could be just that. Maybe we'll get a Kevin Owens, uh, Roman Reigns match for TLC, or maybe we'll get that for uh, Royal Rumble. I mean, I don't think we've gotten one, and it'll be something new and exciting to see. You know, I mean, we've had Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan at Fastlane a couple of years ago, and it was a great match. Uh, seeing him going at it again, I would not mind. So I think Team SmackDown gets this one with Kevin Owens having a great showing. Uh, also, Riddle. I feel like Riddle's going to get uh, gonna have an amazing showing. And we're going to have that moment. I don't know. I, for some reason, I feel that Keith Lee, um, Roman Reigns one we had last year, it might be Riddle and Kevin Owens this year. That's what I'm thinking. Um, the Team Raw women's match. We got Nia, Shayna, La uh, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce. Um, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose is out. Mandy Rose supposedly had gotten hurt last week. So they took both of them out and added Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. Team SmackDown, we got Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and two to be determined. Oh, these to be determined shit is ridiculous. But um, I think also with this one as well, Team SmackDown, I mean, they got to build stars, right? Bianca Belair. Who else? Who else but the EST? That EST of NXT is the EST of WWE. You can tell I'm tired, right? I'm just talking shit right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. I feel that we're going to have a really good match between these two because there has been no mention of anything of their past rivalry, which is great. And... Bobby Lashley seems to be a little on the untouchable side right now. And I feel that he can eat the loss. I think I'm, I'm going SmackDown heavy. I'm going SmackDown heavy. I mean, Sami Zayn hasn't really been hasn't been really been um active with the championship, and I feel like his first time going into the ring with with the championship, he needs a big win. So beating Bobby Lashley or even Using something to beat Bobby Lashley could work. So, Sami Zayn over Lashley. Um, you know what? Nah. Bobby. I'm going to go with Bobby over Sami Zayn. Just because I feel like the Hurt Business needs a big win as well. And I think he, they need it more. I think they need it more. Especially being on the Raw brand. We need Bobby Lashley to come out on top. Uh, like I said earlier in the pod. Street Profits over the New Day. New Day can eat the loss and keep it moving. And hopefully, you know, catch a segment again with the Hurt Business. Uh, Asuka, another one. Asuka's another one that could really, really take a loss. And she still looks, you know, tough as a champ. So, and Sasha Banks needs this one because she only has one win as champ ever. So, this would be an amazing feat for her and make her look strong going into... Either, which whatever it may be, either Royal Rumble or Mania for next year. She needs to look strong going forward. Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Now, with Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, to me, these two have been built so strong. And I said it before, this is the new Rock Austin. This is the new Cena Orton right here. Reigns and McIntyre. The way they're being built is great. Is great. I mean, Roman is doing justice. He can't do no wrong at the moment. McIntyre is looking phenomenal in the ring as well. 
But if anybody has to lose, I would say it's McIntyre. McIntyre always looks better when he's chasing the chip. And the reason why I say that is because I feel this is a prime position to put the Miz in. They're going to go at it. Roman and McIntyre is going to go at it. But what if the Miz comes in, makes it a triple threat match? Or makes it... Wait, you know what? Makes it a triple threat match. But it's only for the WWE Championship. And Roman Reigns helps the Miz beat Drew McIntyre. That does not only give Drew something to chase against Miz on Raw, but also leaves a bad taste in his mouth for what Roman Reigns just did to him. Roman Reigns helped get that title off of him. And that could just be the seeds planted. Maybe he says, you know what, forget it. I don't want that WWE Championship. It's December, and I know it's next month. I'm putting my name in the Royal Rumble. And he's going to try to get into that Royal Rumble just to face Roman Reigns. It's a lot of things, a lot of beautiful things that could be put into play. Yes, it'll be two main figures of the company on one show, maybe. But hey, if the story works, you got to roll with it. you got to roll with it, man. I think Raw would be just fine. They'll get somebody there. Trust me, you still got Keith Lee there. You know what I'm saying? You could I'm I'm the reason why I'm not worried about Keith Lee is because everybody was worried about AJ Styles at one point when he first came. And look and look where AJ's at now. He's great. He's great. Multiple time champ has won not only the WWE championship, but the IC championship, the United States. All he needs really is a universal title. Maybe we'll get that one day. Maybe we'll get that one day. But, um, yeah, man, those are my picks. I'm going Team SmackDown for the men, Team SmackDown for the women, Bobby Lashley, Street Profits, Shasha Banks, and The Miz winning the WWE Championship. That's my wild card right there. Oh, man. Has anybody seen the documentaries they've been putting on on the WWE Network? I went through the Undertaker series. I mean, I, I saw The Last Ride. Uh, I saw the mortician with uh, the relationship between him and Paul Bearer, which is mostly about Paul Bearer. And I finally saw also the Brothers of Destruction. Now, the Brothers of Destruction was so good because it took me back to those days where it was cool to see out-of-the-world type shit. You know, like Buried Alive matches, Kane um having the ability to strike a table with lightning and you were like oh my god like that whole bigger bigger than life bigger than a character um just part of wrestling is missing and i i just feel that it's missing because everybody wants it to be a real thing Everybody is controlled in their mind to want everything to look as real as possible. Yeah, it's great when there's a part, there's there's realism in it. Of course, it's phenomenal. But when you have great storytelling, you could do anything. Great storytelling can do anything for a product. If you know how to tell the story and you know how to 
presented to an audience and you're invested, anything is possible. Anything is possible, man. Yeah, yeah, it was great. If you guys haven't watched it, please watch it. Brothers of Destruction. They talk about their career, their careers, how their careers, um, their path kind of like interwined with each other and how they're, you know, best of friends now, man. And shout out to Paul Bear, RIP Paul Bear, such an instrumental part in so many different careers. I'm not only talking Kane and The Undertaker, um, Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, the first doink, um, man, what was his name? Boone, Matt, Matt Bourne, Matt Bourne, yes, Matt Bourne, um, wow, uh, Steve Austin, when he was in Texas, uh, holy, he even managed The Undertaker in his first match as Texas Red, his first match was against Bruiser Brody, and the reason why they had him there, because they knew Bruiser Brody was gonna beat the shit out of him, and he just needed somebody to show him the way back to the locker room, that was a funny story right there. But just to see, like, how many amazing talents that he managed and helped show them the way to stardom within wrestling, it's just an amazing, an amazing thing. And he is definitely missed, dearly missed. Yeah. R.I.P. Paul Bear. Well, everybody... That was episode 130. Uh, it's it's a crazy thing that episode 130 is happening right now. You know, I mean, a little over two years ago, I would have never thought that, you know, I would have a podcast, do a podcast with friends, just chilling, talking bullshit, talking wrestling, talking music. It's just, it's a crazy, crazy experience. I mean, I met some great people along the way. I always shout them out the Jabba Tears podcast. Um, SP3 from True Hill Heat. Uh, my boys from Canada. You know, Dream Match Wrestling and Building Storyline Tees. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, shout out to everybody. Shout out to all the podcasts out there that fuck with us. The ones that we fuck with. You already know who y'all are. I mean, it's just, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to see. Great thing to have, to have a whole bunch of good people around you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm going to play. But, I'm going to play some fly shit for you. So, don't even worry about it. This is episode 130 of the 20 by 20 podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan McFly. Since the boy Woodrow ain't here, I'm going to say shout out to the Nation of Domination. Shout out to Los Boricuas. Shout out to the Hurt Business. And shout out to Los Bachateros. You already know. Yeah. This is still got me a little confused, you know Been in my mind lately. Been in my mind. Yeah, harder to find lately. Yeah. 
wrote this accompanied by a little reefer, my beast pill speaker, and my 200 milliliter Hennessy. I hit your little chica, told that bitch to bend the key, then proceed to bend the knees. I've been a G, living life the way I please. Came from the middle of the east, like I'm Lebanese. Bottom line, leave MCs the bottomized a thousand times. If we talking about that rhyme for rhyme, my stats combined got stocks and bonds. Multiply my worth ten times by 29, nigga. I ain't nine, I'm already on my seven figure. But I got other things on my mind that's much bigger. Like being a voice to this voiceless generation and feel the void, I can avoid this temptation. When I exploit, I explode off detonation. Push my buttons and I go off with no explanation. Been in my mind late, yeah, been in my mind, so harder to find late, harder to find. Yeah, best keep running, if I don't hold me back, but I just keep coming, yeah. niggas on that act and they just be funny, Push. Yeah, you and them tracks, but it all means nothing, yeah. nothing. Cold cases, murder niggas on a daily basis. Luminar flow, no traces. I am the black light, my whole career off a of crack, right? Olympic diving in this money, watch me jackknife. My rap life ain't like yours. I'm really going home to five stories and bright walls. Ty James paintings, he say he got my one of ones waiting. Why y'all thinking James Evans Jr.? Four and a half carats of tumor. At Nick Bendy like Slick Rick the ruler. Say less about your jewelers, you overpaid for it. While Bay ignore it, your shit is just Made for TV, thank Drea for it. VIP sessions can't be recorded. You might catch a housewife where niggas paying like they weighing, drop it outright. Get your count right. We can talk numbers. Single file out of my digits till next summer, niggas. I'm like the Wizard of Oz on the yellow brick road. Ride slow with the Iron Man. New flows for your dome right out the frying pan. Got that free smoke, you in hell to your diet friend. I'm eating now, had to change in my diet plan. Never lying, I am lying fan. Coming for the biggest. Cats in the food chain Kill them all, the only thing left the fool's chain And who to blame? Uh, is it written raps or ancient artifacts? And niggas ripping tracks and spitting all the facts Tripping out my cardiac arrest is not needed to my body flat Now, killer shows stacking body bags Catch you with the zombies at Underground kings, niggas honor that My four thinker make them all Rwanda back Where you head at my time, I should pass niggas It's a daily reminder that I am that nigga Badman Tink been in my mind late, yeah, been in my mind, so harder to find late, harder to find. Your best keep running, if I don't hold me back, but I just keep coming, niggas on that act and they just be running, hear you in them tracks, but it all means nothing, nothing.